1986. What a time to be alive in Kansas City. The economy is buzzing. The sports teams are crushing. The Chiefs have an epic brawl with their sworn enemies, the Raiders, in 1986 that forever becomes known as the Brawl. The Royals are on a plane to the White House to receive commendations from President Reagan for their 1985 victory over the Cardinals. Oak Park Mall is crammed with kids who are all sporting high-top sneakers, acid-washed jeans, and really big hair. Uh, as kids go back to school, they're uh, delighted to find innovations have made their way to the classroom that this year they'll have access to a new program in the classroom called Reading Rainbow. Anyone? 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 Yeah. On the radio, Papa Don't Preach is playing all the time. But nearby in Overland Park, a small group of people are gathering together in the quiet. They're gathering in the basement of a home, just a couple dozen people, because while the city is excited and while there's so much happening, they fear that there aren't as many people excited about the one true thing in life that matters, God. And all of these uh, adults are volunteers with a ministry called Young Life, and they see scores of students coming and giving their lives to God, but they look around at the churches around the area and they say, where is the passion from the older generation? How can we build a community that reaches adults the same way we reach the youth? Armed with this question, they start to dream and they start to pray. They ask the question to themselves, what would happen if we took God really seriously, but we didn't take ourselves all that seriously? They ask the question, how could we take the greatest hope of the world and give it, in front of, give it as a message in front of as many people as possible? This series is the story of this people. This is Heartland. But you don't have to take my word for it. Five years ago, a birth occurred in Kansas City. Like all births, the labor was painful. The baby developed in the womb during the summer months of 1986. Leaders gathered every Tuesday to brainstorm, visionize, and finally step across the line and commit to giving birth on October 26, 1986 to a whopping 23-member church at the Dorothy Moody Elementary School in Overland Park, Kansas. Happy birthday! Heartland Community Church. When those 23 individuals stepped across the line in the summer of 1986, the name of the church was simply Evangelical Presbyterian Church. They began with few assets other than a vision God had given them and his promise that if they would rely on him, he would bring it to pass. The first nursery for this fledgling church was in a basement at the home of one of the founding couples. Armed with an ironing board for a pulpit and every chair in the house used for pews, that group of pioneers began worshiping every Sunday morning during the summer and early fall of 1986. We asked some of those early pioneers to share with us some of their memories about those early days. I think Heartland Community Church is a place where the Word of God is preached, but in a very contemporary way. Um, you can come here and have never been to a church before and really understand uh, the things that God wants us to learn. Poop happens! 
That's what the Bible says. But it's also a really fun place. The worship is great. Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. Oh, yeah. Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. To me, Heartland is probably uh, relatable. Um, I feel like I can uh, invite my non-Christian friends to come and uh, they will be accepted, they won't be uh, intimidated, and they'll enjoy what Craig has to share. I think uh, most churches in the United States right now, probably 99 out of 100 churches right now, are almost incapable of reaching unchurched people. Uh, we live in a post-Christian era in America, uh, and that means that the church is going to have to change the way it's done things, or we're going to put ourselves into non-existence. And I think the task for us five years from now is to find out if we can contextualize, make relevant the gospel in such a way that the kind of person who currently uh, would walk into a church and not feel like there's anything whatsoever that they relate to, we need to be able to put ourselves in a position that that person would walk through and be absolutely surprised, first of all, that Jesus is relevant to their life, and second of all, that church isn't the most boring place uh, that you could possibly go in a week. Uh. A group of people who would take God so seriously that they refuse to take themselves seriously. For the past 36 years, this is what we've been doing. We, we've been creating space for people to find God. I'm so thankful for those who are still today who remember that season. As I watched this video back this past week, I was struck by one quick uh, sidebar. Um, Heartland, uh, I, I was born six days before Heartland launched. I didn't know that. But six days before the church started, I was born. The first Sunday I was alive was the first Sunday that Heartland was a church which was ridiculous to me. I told that to uh, Tom Bronner, you know, legendary pastor Tom Bronner, who's pastored here at Heartland for so many years. And, and I told him, I said, Tom, wouldn't it be amazing if, you know, here I am, 36 years old, if in another 36 years, which, by the way, Tom, I'll be your age, <laughs> if in another 36 years I get a chance to stand in front of the same group of people, like, wouldn't this be crazy to be just as good-looking as you, Tom, to be just as great of a pastor and friend as you, Tom, but to be just as old as you, Tom, and to say what we have done for 72 years is to help people find God. This has always been at the heartbeat of who we are as a church, is we help people find God. That's our roots. Harlan Community Church was not started because we had found a better pastor or because we had found a better method or because we had found a rich donor. <laughs> no, we started with a singular heartbeat amongst people who came together and said, what if we were a new type of community? What if we were the type of people who at the core of what we want is to help people actually find God? And this is what we've been doing for 36 years. It's good for God's people to stop and look backwards. God in his scriptures often tells us we should reflect, but he also tells us to look forward. The reason we have to look backwards is because without remembering what God has done, we can lose heart. 
And without looking forwards, we can forget that our steps of faith are simply that, steps of faith for God to provide in the future. So over the next couple of weeks, what we want to do is just to simplify what are the three, the four heartbeats of, of Heartland. And today, I want to give you those simple heartbeat, the first heartbeat, which is that we help people find God. And I have three reasons, three reasons that we have uh, this heartbeat. It's not a novel idea. This is not a complex idea. This is not a profound idea. Helping people find God is the first call of anyone who truly loves Jesus. In his famous last words, this is what Jesus said. He said, so go, make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have taught you. And I will be with you always, even until the end of this age. Jesus didn't say, preserve my religion. Jesus didn't say, welcome the worthy. Jesus didn't say, win culture wars. Jesus didn't say, play this song. (laughs) He said, help people find God. Baptize them and teach them so that their lives can be ultimately changed by the gospel. For 36 years, these are the words that have been driving the force behind our why. Why do we do what we do? Well, because Jesus is alive and he gave us a plan that we would simply put it to use. For 36 years, we've baptized people. Now, this is a little awkward because uh, we actually had somebody lined up to be baptized in this service. And then something happened. They weren't able to make it to this service. That's why there's a tank right here. In the first service, we had an incredible baptism. It's a great story. You came to the wrong service. So sorry. But for 36 years in one service, we have baptized people. Now, um, Derek, steps of faith, right? I mean, everything about life is a step of faith. And uh, I'm going to go on a big step of faith. This is a big room. And this is a tank of water. And legit, the person who's supposed to be baptized right now is, is, not, is not here to be baptized. And I'm dumb enough, maybe, I'm naive enough to think that maybe today there's someone sitting in this room who wants to go public with their faith, who wants someone else to know that God loves me. And, and I just want you to know, there's a tank of water here that we planned for somebody else, but they're not here. So maybe this tank of water was meant for somebody else who's in this room today, but you've never, you've never shared with anyone that you're, you're a follower of God. I want you to know that we have everything that you need to be baptized by the end of the service. All you got to do is some point throughout this teaching, sooner rather than later, honestly, for our own sanity's sake as a staff and all the people who are ready to work behind the scenes to make this happen, but sooner rather than later, would you go and just, Craig Cheney is in the back right there. Uh, he's waving his hand. Just go to the sound booth and just say, I just, you know, you guys got me. I, I can't believe I'm doing in this, but today I know God is tugging in my heart to be baptized. But this is what we do as a church. We help people find God. Maybe you're a high school kid who's never been baptized and your parents have walked you through faith and you're like, I know that this is an opportunity for me. I want you to know that we're ready for you today to help people find God. And here's why. is because Jesus said, as my followers, the one of the ways that you can help people find me is by introducing them to my son, Jesus Christ, and then baptizing them in his name. And so I don't know. I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but um, I'm going to leave it up to God to press in on your heart right here, right now now, if maybe this is for you today, that this tank of water is meant for you. Hartland, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It would have been easy for us to say, well, we didn't shoot a video. Well, there's just drain the tank. But 
but part of that Bible that I've read says, uh, here's water, what prevents me from being baptized? And I want to say to you, here's water, what prevents you from being baptized? For 36 years, we've done this. We've been helping people find God. And here's three reasons, three reasons why we are so passionate about this heartbeat, that you would find God, that you would embrace him, that you would take a step of faith through baptism, that you would live your life for him. Three reasons is because of this. We help people find God because God wants to be found. That's what we believe. God wants to be found. We, we don't believe that God is hiding in a code. We don't believe that God's going to show up to you in a sequence of numbers, we don't believe that you have to know a specific language to know God. We believe that God came and showed up in this world because he's not dead and he's not hiding. He wants us to know who he is. How do you know this? Well, because one of Jesus' closest followers, a guy named John, he wrote all about Jesus' life. He wrote a bunch of letters to the followers of Jesus. He even wrote what's called revelations. It's like this apocalyptic uh, literature. John introduces Jesus to all of us this way. He says this in John chapter one. No one has ever seen God, which still checks out today. Last I checked, the 9 a.m. hadn't actually visually seen God. Anybody in here actually visibly seen God? Right, that's why it's faith. Faith is believing in what you do not see as though it is certain. No one has ever seen God, but, so glad for that but, the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. That's Jesus. He has made him known. John's trying to tell us that the great revealing of God is found through Jesus. God's been making it clear since the very beginning that he wants to be known. He wants to be found. Across every part of the Old Testament and the New Testament are promises that if you look for God, you will find God. One of the ways that God is found is by those who know God, introducing others to him. I recently heard this story about two American hikers who were hiking along the backwoods in Scotland. I heard this story because it was uh, uh, aired when the, the Queen of England passed away. Her uh, private bodyguard, who had been with her for a long time, told the uh, Sky News, I don't know who they are, I'm an American, I don't watch that, but he told, he told their news people uh, this story. And I want to share his words with you today. Um, there, there was this uh, couple hiking in Scotland on the same path as he and Queen Elizabeth. His name is Mr. Griffin. He said the queen would always stop and say hello to people who were passing by. And right away from this couple, it was very clear that they were Americans who didn't know that they were in the presence of the queen. The American explained all about where he was from and took lots of words to describe his home in America. And then he turned to the queen and asked, where do you live? And she said, well, I live in London, but I have a holiday home right here across the hill. And he said, well, how long have you been coming up here? She said, well, I've been coming up here since I was a little girl for about 80 years. As Mr. Griffin tells a story, he says, you could kind of see the cogs in their mind turning. He said, the question came, well, if you've been coming up here for 80 years, certainly you must have met the queen. <laughs> and her bodyguard says, quick as a whip, she looked at them and says, well, I haven't, but Dick here has. <laughs> and the Americans, so impressed with her proximity to power, look at Mr. Griffin and say, you've met the queen. Can you tell us what she's like? 
And just as fast as the queen, he looked at them and said, well, she could be quite cantankerous sometimes, but she's got a lovely sense of humor. <laughs> he said the next thing he knew, the American man was putting his arm around him and handing his camera to the queen and said, would you please do us the honor of taking our picture? We want a picture with the person who has met the queen multiple times. <laughs> and she took the picture. I snoped this, by the way. It checks out. Making sure that they didn't miss the true treasure, Mr. Griffin insisted that they take one with her as well. They parted ways without revealing who they were. And on the way back, the queen looked at Mr. Griffin and said, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when he shows those photographs to their friends in America. <laughs> and hopefully someone tells him who I am. I find that to be more like God than I actually feel comfortable with. Uh, many of us are interested in God, but would we know him if we encountered him? God wants us to know him too, but he's not going to come right out and say like, you, I'm over here. I don't know why God's Norwegian. Um, well, I mean, I know why God's Norwegian, but do you know why God's Norwegian? No. He actually, God allows us to have an experience with him. It's an experience that requires someone else to be present and say, oh, hey, by the way, the person that you're standing talking to is royalty, is someone who's got a tremendous amount of power. If only you are acquainted, can I introduce you? God is allow allowing us, he's willing us to have the, oh my goodness, you've met the queen moments of shock and awe because he knows that when the light bulb finally goes off in our souls, Anyone who wants to find him will recognize that he has been present with them before they knew him. Isn't that God? God is, isn't that your story? Isn't that how, how you came to faith? You realize that you found God, but you only retroactively found God. God had been there here the whole time. You just didn't have eyes to see him. Why do we care so deeply that we help people find God? Because God wants to be found. Here's the second reason. It's, it's the inverse of that. It's because we believe people want to find God. It's a much bigger statement than the first statement I made. Maybe you disagree with this idea right here. Your experience today in 2023 is one of not people wanting to find God, but people deconstructing their faith in God. Maybe you think that there's more people in mass who are angry with God and more people who don't like God. After the saying that uh, Jesus is the one who reveals God to us. John records the life of Jesus and he records how two men meet Jesus and follow him and they spend the day with him. Look what they do. This is John chapter one, just the next couple of verses. John points our attention at this guy named Andrew. Now, Andrew is important because he's Simon Peter's brother. I don't know if you had a popular older brother or sister or parent or grandparent, someone who your life is framed against. Andrew is known to us today because his brother was kind of a big deal. If you were raised Catholic, the Catholics believe that Peter might have been the first pope. Andrew is his brother. And, and he was one of the two who heard what John, that's John the Baptist, had said that Jesus was the one who had come to take away the sins of the world. And Andrew was one of the two who followed Jesus. And the first thing, everybody say first thing. First thing. 
the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah. And John kind of translates it into his culture, his language. He says, that is the Christ or the one that God was going to send to show us himself. And notice what he did. He brought him to Jesus. Why are we so passionate about helping people find God? Is because we believe people want to find God. Andrew's brother, Simon Peter, was his best friend. They were business partners. They were fishermen. More than that, they were both interested in spiritual things. I'm sure they had conversations on the fishing boat with their enterprise late at night asking each other questions about God and asking each other questions about the taxes that they were having to pay to the Romans and, and wondering where is God in the midst of all this and, and all of these people are talking about God, but don't we feel like God is up to something more? And the moment that Andrew finds Jesus, he knows he's found God's true plan for history and God's path for his own future. And he brings his brother to Jesus because Andrew believed his brother wanted to find God too. When the concept in 1986 of a new community was discussed, I'm so glad that in that room, no one was opposed or no one assumed that people were indifferent to God. No, they assumed that people are curious about God, that, that perhaps actually they might have been disappointed by God. They, they, they might have been angry in God, but they weren't disinterested in God. And of course, you and I are curious people. We're curious about love and justice and the arc of history. We're curious about so much in this world, like forgiveness, our purpose, finding fulfillment and joy. We, we are seekers of unity and harmony. We, we seek a better world. We seek understanding and seeking to find. We're the type of people who find out that we're near the queen's cottage and we ask the people in front of us, have you ever met the queen? Here at Harland, who are we? We are optimists. We're optimistic about every person's ability to find God and be amazed by God. We're optimistic about the deep desire within each and every one of us to actually want to find God and want to go public with our faith in God. It was King Solomon who wisely said in the Old Testament that God has put eternity in the soul of every human being. Over the past couple of months. I've read a lot of stories about people who are very nervous about the cause of Christianity. There is an increasing number of people who have dropped out of church. And in like more than a, um, you know, COVID shut us all down for a second type of a way. Like a steady decline of people attending church on a Sunday, particularly amongst our next generation. And listen, I pay attention to these uh, phenomenons. I pay attention to these trends. And we as a church need to pay attention to them too. That's why we celebrate the heroes of Heartland or those who are actually with our kids today on the other side of this wall who are helping the next generation find God. And that's why we're so passionate about adults who sit around tables and move, which is our middle school ministry that meets in the dock, both services to help our next generation find God. That's why DJ and Sagan and Shibu spend so much time and energy relating to the next generations because we know that God has a wonderful plan for their life. They just maybe haven't heard it. Maybe they haven't found him. And we're here to help the next generation find God. Gosh, that was such a great amen spot. It's not helpful when I do that to you, I know. 
Sometimes I get so frustrated with you. Do you know that? Like, it's like, ah, I'm giving it everything. And you're like, yeah, those people. It's great. It's great. <laughs> we care about the next generation finding the purpose of their lives, don't we? Find the one who their soul has knit eternity deep down in that me as a parent, I can never give them that purpose. In fact, as a dad, when I try and shove my purpose into my kids, what happens is I give them a complex, but God gives them forgiveness, wholeness, grace, and a future that I could only dream of for my kids. I'm so glad, so glad that God does that. Now, back to um, this whole, you know, idea of people dropping out of church. Craig said it in the video. We're always one generation away from extinction in the church. But I, I want us to know that our work is clearly defined before us. And even with religious affiliation numbers on the decline, I want you to hear this. The level of atheism and agnosticism are still relatively flat over the past couple of decades. There's a couple of Pew Research findings from 2019 that support this, a, a, a different survey I could, uh, if you're interested, send you the information later. But um, atheists and agnostics in America represent about 9% of Americans and only 7% of the world's population. I found this statistic to be kind of haunting for me. I don't, really don't know what to do with it. That means in America, you're more likely to find someone who doesn't believe that NASA landed on the moon than someone who doesn't believe in God. Isn't that mind-blowing? There are actually more people in America who believe the earth is flat than don't believe in God. What does that mean? It means this. It means overwhelmingly people want to find God and understand who they are in relationship to the larger story that God's written. And this has always been the question of who we are as a people. Can we help God meet anyone who has a desire to meet him? To have anyone cross paths with God and have hope and identity and work in their lives? We believe that anyone can find God. Amen? Amen. All the way back at the beginning of our church, we committed to remove every obstacle on someone's journey to Jesus. That's why one of our values of honesty is key. I hope you never assume that we are a got-it-together type of church. Um, what I love about our community is that we're actually a jacked-up group of people type of church. Right. We're the type of people who, um, some of us got drunk last night and we showed up to church today and we don't know why, but we're looking for God. Some of us uh, have been using drugs and trying to figure it out, and we can't, but there's a community here, and you're here because you're looking for God. Some of us are trapped in pornography addictions that are ruining our soul, but you're still looking for God. This is a church where you've got anger problems and love questions, and all the people here don't know how to live our lives, but we're all here in one place committed to the singular source of truth that God is love, and God knows us, and God embraces us, and welcomes us, and affirms us, and showed us grace through the person of Jesus. Jesus so that it doesn't matter if we've got it all together. He does. Amen. That's who you are in this church. That's who we are as Heartland. If you ever think a person on this stage doesn't involve themselves in any of those categories, you're wrong. We might need more grace than you. But God welcomes people who welcome him. I'm so glad that back at the beginning of this church, we didn't set secret handshakes and 
church code in front of people as a test of membership. But we just said, you're a person, you got a pulse, God loves you, you have a purpose, let's go. That's the type of church that we are. God wants to be found, people want to find God, and then finally this. Why are we so passionate about people helping people find God? It's because we believe this, that faith is personal, yes, but faith is not private. If I started out, we all agreed that God wants to be found, and maybe I challenged you a little bit with the idea that people want to find God, maybe you're challenged with that. You definitely have issues with this one. But we believe here at Heartland that your faith is not your faith in a privatized sense. The true gospel comes into our lives that we hear that God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for our sins, to forgive us and to free us, that he rose from the dead on the third day, that you can embrace that and have your life radically changed by him. And one of the things that changes is that you actually start to share good news with other people There is no record in the Bible of someone who comes to God and then clams up as a hermit. There is no record of someone who just sits by and watches the church do their thing while they're just in their armchair. Faith is personal because God is personal. But faith is not private because God is not private. How do you know this, Dan? Like, Why are you so fired up about this? Well, it's because... It's because of what happens at the end of Jesus' life in this interaction that Andrew has with some more people in Jesus. Jesus has, has lived his, his life and uh, three years have gone by. He's done miracles and signs. Na- name recognition is at an all-time high. And the week that Jesus goes up the mountain to Jerusalem, he goes up the mountain to Jerusalem to go to a festival. It's a religious festival, so it's not like, you know, a, 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 a singing festival. It's not Taylor Swift concerts. It's, it's, it's a religious festival. It's um, one festival out of the year where everybody would show up at the same place in Jerusalem. It's like spring break in Florida. You know, you just imagine the caravan of people just going to Florida. And Jesus is going up. Jesus has a specific mission in mind, but everybody's coming. They know Jesus is going to be in Jerusalem and there are people showing up. They want to find Jesus. Here's what happens. There were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. I point this out because John points this out. The ethnicity of these men are actually very important to the story because up to now, Jesus has been really dealing with a lot of Jewish people. Jesus' mission has been mostly to people in the Jewish world. He himself is a rabbi, after all. And there are some Greeks that go up to worship at the festival, and they go to the wrong guy. You ever gone to the wrong guy? You got a question about God, and you go to the wrong person? They came to Philip. Poor Philip. He was from Bethsaida. That was a, a fishing town in Galilee. I, don't, I've, I spent five hours this week, maybe, maybe four, trying to figure out why that's relevant, and I got nothing right now. So if you know, let, let me know later. But they had a request. This is money. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Why are we so passionate about helping people find God? It's because we believe people want to find God. Philip does this. He goes, uh, I don't know if that's okay. See, Philip is a religious person who follows Christianity in 2023. Philip is someone who thinks that there's rules and access and codes 
and handshakes for someone to come to Jesus. And so Philip goes, and he doesn't go to Jesus. He doesn't bring him to Jesus. He says, let me get a second opinion. He goes to who? To Andrew, the one who's always found in John's gospel, bringing people to Jesus. The kid with the little lunchable that Jesus feeds 5,000 with, he was brought to Jesus by Andrew. Andrew's always introducing people to Jesus. And Philip goes to Andrew and says, hey, so uh, there's these people, but they're Greeks. Does Jesus do that? Like, can they, I know he's busy. This is a very Jewish festival, but like, can they meet Jesus too? And Andrew, I mean, this is kind of inferring, but Andrew says this to Philip. He goes, well, Philip, you can meet Jesus so they can meet Jesus. And together, look what happens. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. I think today, one of the fears that we have as people is that we would be obnoxious about our faith. In a world in which you can have all sorts of beliefs if you never share them with other people, it's a type of world that doesn't really exist well for us. Because the nature of our faith is not private, despite it being personal. A personal story a baptism story is one in which we tell other people, God has truly changed my life. And I know this God. I know him intimately. He's, re, he's reordered my life and he's changed some things about me. And I, I give him the best of my life because I, I've seen him change me personally. I love the fact that I get to be in so many different parts of our community outside of my work as a pastor. And one of the reasons that I love being around kids' baseball games is because I do better pastoral work on the sidelines and in the dugouts and at my daughter's softball games and all just being with regular people. And I have a chance when faith comes up not to go inward and say, well, that's between me and God. But I have a chance to say, well, let me tell you how that goes between me and God so that maybe you can think about God for yourself. People from my baseball team have come and attended Heartland and have, have found out who God is because just a simple opportunity to take a personal faith and not assume that it's not for the other person, but to say, hey, here's how my relationship with God has changed me. And in doing so, my personal faith becomes an opportunity for that person to have a personal faith in God too. Personal faith always recognizes that God has given us a blessing not for ourselves, but for others. And here's how I know that. It's because what Jesus says after Philip and Andrew come his way. Jesus doesn't embrace them and high five them and say, well done, mission accomplished. He doesn't say, you're right, I'm here for the Greeks too. Jesus gives us even more enigmatic words. Here's the next words in John chapter 12. Jesus says, in a very typical Jesus-y way, the time has come for the Son of Man to receive his glory. I tell you the truth, a grain of wheat must fall to the ground and die to make many seeds. But if it never dies, it remains only a single seed. Those who love their lives will lose them. But those who hate their lives in this world will keep true life forever. What an odd statement to make, right? I mean, this is kind of why people don't like listening to Jesus. Because he seems to be brushing these guys off, but, but actually Jesus is being really clear. He, what he's doing is he's reminding the disciples about his mission here that is a personal mission, but it's a mission that they're going to continue after he dies and rises again. 
The gospel is not a private thing. There's no faith in Jesus that doesn't speak of his goodness to the world around us because Jesus' mission was out of love for the whole world. You know God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus died. He's the seed that was put into the ground that when he resurrected to new life, his life is multiplied through his followers who also give up their lives. And when they're resurrected in new life, they make seeds for more followers. This is how for thousands of years your faith has come into existence is because God has used other people to share the seeds of the gospel that would blossom into a new life for you all the way here, 2023, Olathe, Kansas. Isn't that mind-blowing that that's how it works? So the question you have is, uh, well, Dan, is it working? Like, is this heartbeat of Heartland, is it actually accomplishing anything? And I'm here to tell you today just about the week I've had. This week I met with a friend named Jim who told me that about 10 years ago he walked through those green doors and he was in no place to be doing business with God, he said. But he heard God's voice. He, he acknowledged it's kind of a strange idea. But he heard God's voice say to him very clearly, Jim, you found me. You're home here. And he walked into this dark auditorium and he heard God's voice come through the speaker. I think it was another guy named Dan at that time. And he shared the gospel with the church that day. And Jim's heart got lit on fire. And he found out that God loved him so much that he sent Jesus to rule over his life and death and life after death. And he told me this week, he said, this church has changed my life forever. I mean, moms who are single moms who walk into this church desperate for their kids to have a safe place to grow up. And they themselves are surprised that they've met Jesus. Um, this year, a handful of people have been baptized. They've made declarations that they are found. You know, we put people in shirts that say found. And if you never realize why we say it, it's because we have a heartbeat that people would find God. When they get into this water, they're acknowledging that I've found God and God's found me. It's an incredible, incredible thing. On Thursday, are you guys done with my week? On Thursday, I got an email from someone at Heartland who's just a Heartlander. They just love the church and they wanted prayer. And, and they said, um, could you help me? I'm praying for all the people I want to introduce to Jesus. And it was a very long list. I think there was like 35 or 40 names on this list of people that this one Heartlander was intending to share Jesus with that week. I scanned it to make sure my name wasn't on the list because I wanted them to know I already love Jesus. But um, that's what we do. We help people find God. It's our biggest priority. And here's something a little bit risky I want to do. Here's how I want us to close just this, this segment of our service today. Because I, I don't think Jim and some of the single parents that I've talked to and some of the heartlanders who are praying for people to be introduced to Jesus, I don't think they're unique. I think this is what God does through this church because it's the burden he put on our hearts in the first place. I want to ask you to do something a little courageous. I want to ask you to do something a little bold. It's, it's just going to take a second. If over the past 36 years of our church's existence, of the people of Heartland being a people, if God has used this church, either a service or a person from this church, to help you find God for yourself, 
would you just be bold enough just to stand to your feet? If God has used this church right here over the past 36 years for you to find God for yourself, someone in this, in this room, someone in this church helped you be introduced to God in a way that changed your life. Isn't that incredible? Can we thank God for all of that? Hold on, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Because it's not just a second, it's more like 10 seconds, okay? Um, I want to add to that. If, if, if God used this place to reignite a fire for him, over the last 36 years. Maybe you already knew God, but you'd wandered away from, would you also stand? I'd love for you to say that God has used this place to help me have a faith that follows him fervently. Would you also stand right now? Amen, I see you guys all over the place. Here's the last group I wanna ask. And this one, I really don't care if you stand or not, as long as you talk to God. I believe that there's people in this room right here right now who want to have a new relationship with God, who wanna be introduced to God, and today you're hearing for the first time that God loves you and he accepts you and you're welcome, not just here, but at home with him. I wanna just lead you through a prayer. Every, everyone around the room can just close your eyes, bow your head, however it is that you do prayer. And I wanna just simply lead you through a prayer of just talking to God, being introduced to God, because I'd hate to talk about the king while he's next to me without pointing to the fact that he's here in the room with all of us. So you can just simply talk to him and say, God, I want to know you. I want to know your freedom, the forgiveness that comes through Jesus's life and death and resurrection. You can just say to him, I believe what he did on the cross was for me. I believe that he rose and he died, or he, he rose from the dead, which means there is no more death, but just life after death. And I believe that you're calling me to true life. You know who I am. You know my problems. You, you know that I'm jacked up. But I actually now see that you're the one who is with me in the picture all along. So help me to learn who you are. I give you today my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Whatever.